Let me see you put them up. Reach the sky, touch the stars up above, cause it's one time for the underdog. One time for the underdog. I'm Patrick Bedevi, your host of Ayatim, and today we're going to talk about how you can double your current income. Yes, whatever you're making today, what can we do to double that income immediately? We're going to talk about it today in this episode. So let's look at the first item here, which is what is the average income people make based on their age? Here's what we have. 16 to 19-year-olds, there's roughly 1.7 million full-time employees ages 16 to 19, the average income for them is $22,000 your income. Interesting, 16 to 19. Then you have 20 to 24 year olds, there's 9.7 million full-time workers those ages. The average income is 27,456. Slightly of an increase, maybe 25% increase, right? 25 to 34 is our biggest workforce, 29 million people who work ages 25 to 34, full-time, the average income is 39,416. And then we have 35 to 44 year olds, that's 27 million, give or take, 49,400. 45 to 54, there's 25 million, their income is roughly 50,000, average, 55 to 64, we have 19.8 million, 20 million roughly, their average income drops up, look at this, to 49,608, and then 65 and older, believe it or not, we actually have 4.1 million full-time employees in America above the age of 65, which says a lot, by the way, people working full-time after 65, their average income drops off to 46,176. So now, why are we looking at this? What story does this tell us? It says a lot to me when I look at it. Here's what it looks like. Our income is growing from 16 to 19 to 20 to 24, 25 to 34, increases 35 to 44. After 35 to 44, your income is flat. Matter of fact, decreasing afterwards. Think about that. Income doubles, more than doubles, up to 44 years old, then it stays flat. So why does most people's income stay flat after 44? That means whatever you make at 41 years old, you're pretty much going to be making at 64 years old. Does that make any sense to you? What happens there? We'll talk about that here in a minute to highlight why this takes place to most people, but this is average. If you want to be average, this is the market for you. I also want to talk about the one percenters. On the one percent side, we're going to look at the one percent income and the one percent net worth by age. Here's what we found out. The average 25 year old one percenter, you have to make 160 to be in the 1% of 25-year-olds, and to be in the 1% of net worth of 25-year-olds, you have to have $80,000 to your name, right? Some people may look at this and say, man, $80,000, that's it for 25-year-olds? $80,000 is a lot of money for a 25-year-old to have in savings. That's the net worth of a top 1% 25-year-old. 30, you make 200K at 30, you're in the top 1%, $400,000 in net worth. 35, you make 250, you're in the top 1% net worth, 1.25 million. 40, you gotta make 320, 3.2 million net worth to be in the top 1%. 45, 400,000 puts you in the top 1%, 5.2 million net worth. 50 is 470, look at the trend. Everything else is 470 to be in a 1%. For the next 15 years, it's all 470. But at 57 million puts you in the top 1%. At 55, it's 8.46. At 60 is 9.4 million, and at 65, if you're worth 11.75 million dollars, you're in the top 1% of net worth. So wh why is that? Wh why is it that they make what they make, and the average number is so much lower than what they're making here? What is the biggest difference? 
what takes place here? Well, I'm going to explain to you on what happens when our incomes double during these ages. Before I get into my points, I want you to look at this here. It's a basic chart. So think about what events take place to us from 12, 16, 24, 30, 35 years old. Right around here, the income stays flat. But what events takes place the most here? This is when our income is grown the fastest. What happens? We are in so many situations where we have to change. We are forced to learn. Think about it. You're watching this. If you have a parent, you and I didn't have a choice to go to school when we were 8 years old or 12 years old or 10 years old. We were forced to go to school. We were almost forced to improve. It was not a choice. Then you go into college. I'll never forget the first time I went to college. My professor's name was Van Dam. That was his name. He didn't look like Van Dam, but his name was Van Dam, right? And me and my friend are sitting right next to each other. It's me, Armand, and another guy named Kogan. Kogan I worked with at uh, Burger King years ago, and Armand owns Rafi's place, and we're sitting there. Here's his opening line. How many freshmen in the room? We put our hands up. Hey, freshmen, just so you know, this is no longer high school. It's college, which means I don't care if you're tardy. I don't even care if you don't show up because it's college. You have to have responsibility for yourself. So I look at my friend Armand. I said, Armand, did you hear what he just said right there? Yeah, I heard what he Dude, let's, let's test them tomorrow. Let's not show up. Guess what we did? We didn't show up the next day. Matter of fact, I didn't show up the entire semester. I got a W from the guy. I'm like, freedom! I don't have to show up to class, right? But we were forced to improve here. Then the choice hits you. Then we have to choose to improve. And most of us, when the choice is on us, we kind of go on coast mode. We, we don't longer put that kind of pressure on ourselves. We're an adult. I don't have to be in that kind of pressure type situation. Entire high school is competitive. Entire school system is competitive. You're constantly having to change yourself to get better. Income grows. Then eventually we get to a point where we don't want pressure anymore. We stay cruise control. So watch this here. Point number one about doubling your income. Our income doubles the most when we recreate ourselves the most. If you recreate yourself, you get new results. If you stay the same person, old results. This mode is constant recreation mode. How many times did you go to school in high school? And there was a kid that was a nerd the year before. Think about it. How many times you went to high school when the kid was a nerd the year before, and then all of a sudden he shows up the next year, he went from nerd to being cool. What happened there? Off-season, maybe he decided to get a girlfriend. Off-season, maybe he started lifting weights. Off-season, maybe he took some boxing classes. And then he comes back walking like this in 11th grade, like, dude, you were a nerd last year. What happened to you? He recreated himself. But that doesn't happen too often when we get here. We're the same from 40 to 55, 65 years old. You recreate yourself. Then again, recreate yourself. Then again, recreate yourself. How many do you have a friend? Maybe you have a friend that you haven't seen for like a year. And you see your friend, and what do you say? I don't recognize this guy. He recreated himself. She recreated herself. If you, your income earlier, when we said, what's your income this year versus five years, 10 years? If that hasn't changed dramatically, and you're 45 watching this, 45, 35, it's about the same. You have not recreated yourself lately. You're pretty much the same person you were 10 years ago. And if you want new results, you got to recreate yourself. It's almost got to be the measurement like this. Thanksgiving, you see your friends and family. You haven't seen them for six months. Some of them got to say, I don't recognize you. Your family reunion you have, you go to once a year. I don't recognize you. Christmas, I don't recognize you. School reunion, I don't recognize you. There's got to be a part of recreation in order for your income to double. Number two. This age, lots of peer pressure. Most people hear the word peer pressure and they go automatically negative. For me, when I hear peer pressure, I say you choose to create positive or negative peer pressure. When you have positive peer pressure, it's very difficult. Let me explain to you why. 
You see, when that peer pressure is somebody doing better than you, in an environment that someone's doing better than you, are like, oh my gosh, I'm so sick and tired of hearing his name. I can't believe everybody's talking about her. Why is she working out as hard as she is? Why is she going to the gym? Who cares about the diet? Look at his six pack, look at his muscles. Look how fast he's doing this. Look how much books he's reading. Look what he's doing. It's positive peer pressure. So you're either gonna rise up to the positive peer pressure or you're gonna run away. Very simple. You're gonna fight or you're gonna flight or you're gonna freeze. Oh my gosh, I'm not in this league. But one of those three is going to happen to you, right? So when you get older, that peer pressure gets less and less and less. You surround yourself around all the friends that are just warm and fuzzy because you no longer like positive peer pressure. If a friend makes more money than you unknowingly, hear me out, if a friend is way more successful than you and they put too much positive peer pressure, sometimes you push them away and you don't even know you're pushing them away. Let me say one more time. You, I'm speaking to you. You may have a friend that kicks your butt, but you're so sick and tired of losing to her or to him that only you know this. You push this friend away, slowly but surely. You don't even know you're doing it, and then all of a sudden your peer pressure goes lower and lower and lower because everybody around you is at your level, and they're no longer putting that peer pressure for you to increase yourself. So what happens? You become the story, and you stay the same. That friend who is competing and trying to improve is not trying to make you feel inferior. He's just trying to recreate himself constantly, and you're done recreating yourself. If you are, that guy's going to go to a whole different level. If you also want to go there, go add some more positive peer pressure in your life. Matter of fact, ask yourself right now, who are the five friends that put a lot of peer pressure on you? And that'll tell you a lot about what's taking place. Number three, this is going to be getting a little confusing, but it's going to make sense to you by the time I'm done. It's going to sound like I'm on shrooms, or I'm smoking something, but it makes sense to you here in a second. Listen, listen, listen to me. As you're here, not a lot of funerals you go to, right? When you're here, you go out to birthday parties, graduation, things like that, right? Maybe when you get here, you go to college graduations. Maybe when you get here, you go to some weddings. But when you get to here, you start attending some funerals. And let me tell you what kind of funerals throws people off. The kind of funerals that throws people off is the following. So, say a good friend of yours. I had a friend of mine. He passed away. On the day he passed away, he took 50 Vicodins. He died. I took this guy to a rehabilitation center all over the place. He died. But he died because he couldn't drop Vicodin. And that eventually got to him. Okay? And it was my best friend in the world, one of the most difficult days of my life. When I got that phone call, I remember exactly I was in a black Lincoln Town car with who was in the car with a guy named Jim and, and another guy. And I was driving. I got the phone call. I cried for 30 minutes. And I was supposed to speak that day at a session in Diamond Bar. I gave that talk. I, people thought I was angry. My best friend just died. When he died, so many of my friends stopped using drugs because that taught us a lesson. Drugs can really kill you. That was a big factor. What hurts a lot of people and misses, messes with their mind is when someone dies that you were not expecting to die. Let me say this again. A friend who works out and they're in shape, 37 years old, they go to sleep, they have a heart attack, they die. A friend who's 41 years old, in shape, they're fine, they're good, they have an aneurysm and they die. A cousin of yours that's younger that they die, not the car accident, not the ones that you expected, not the person that dies because everybody knew this was kind of going to happen because they had bad drug addictions. When someone dies unexpectedly and you were expecting them to live a long time, here's what happens to people around these ages. Ready? Here's what happens. Oh my gosh. Why am I, why am I working so hard? Why am I putting this kind of pressure on me? But babe, what if? And then you sit with your wife or your husband and you're like, 
babe, maybe, maybe we don't need to work that hard, babe. We live only once, babe, and we need to kind of backtrack. And this is too much on the body. It's too much, too stressful. And, and what if this? And you convince yourself that if you don't go after your dreams, you could die because somebody died in your life and that puts fear in you and it immobilizes you and you'll level out. Now, some people watching this. Two years ago, we had a presidential campaign. Two people ran to become a president. One name was Hillary, the other person's name was Donald. They were both 69 years old. And you know who had more stress on their lives than them? Nobody in the world. Every magazine, every newspaper, every news station was bashing them morning till night. That's pressure. Imagine being Donald's kids. You have to constantly hear about all these other names. Imagine being Hillary Clinton's kids. You have to hear about your dad. You have to hear, that's real pressure. You can't go anywhere without somebody saying something to you. They're still running for office. How about the football coaches that are coaching at 69 years old? Pete Carroll. Why is he coaching at 67, 68 years old? Why was John Wooden still coaching? Why are some of these guys putting that kind of pressure on themselves? Because when that event took place in their lives, they didn't pivot and get scared. They said, that happened to him. I'm going to live my life and go to the doctor and get myself checked out. Hopefully I can live a long time, but I'm not going to stress out over dying overnight. Napoleon Hill wrote a book, Thinking Grow Rich. Many of you have read it. He talked about the different kinds of fears people. I want his public speaking, all this other stuff. He said, there are so many people that are afraid of dying. I had a very, very good friend of mine, and he would always ask me about the fear of dying. He was so scared of dying. And I watched this guy. He was an incredible sales guy. He was incredible at the business. The subtle fear of death, that it went into the spirit, and the mom validated it. Yeah, honey, slow down. Watch the way Patrick's working, slow down. What if this, 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 that? That kid went from being a top performer to playing defense to flat, same income today as he had 20 years ago, 15 years ago, because he got afraid. Something got him. By the way, this doesn't stop there. You know what else happens Why people level out? You'll have a friend of yours. They give everything they got to a business. They work so hard. They're doing so good. And then all of a sudden, market crashes. They lose everything. You know what you say? You say, Shit, that's the reason why I don't want to start a business. Look what happened to Johnny. He did everything right. He worked so hard. That's why I don't want to start a business. He lost his house. He got a divorce. He got this. We, you know, educated people, when we go to school, you know, we don't need to go out there and go fight that hard because why chase money? Look at Johnny. Try to chase money. Look what happened to him. And he fell. And you use that one example as your excuse to stay where you're at for the next 30 years. One example. Because one person lost everything, that means that's going to be you. You do that with divorces, all these other things. By the way, when you're 20 years old, you can eat pizza, you don't gain weight. Okay? What changes from 20 to 30 is I just had a conversation with a couple of my employees. When you turn 30, this pops out. So if you start eating pizza, this pops out. When you turn 40, this goes away. Let me show you what I'm talking about. This, touching your toes without bending your knees, flexibility goes away. When you're 50, stamina goes away. So as this is aging and you're building as an entrepreneur, yes, you do got to go get executive health plans done for yourself. You do have to go pay $4,000 to have everything being checked out. I just got an angiogram on my heart. They put the dye in my heart and they checked out my arteries because I got to get it checked out. I'm under a lot of pressure as an entrepreneur. I'm an athlete, right? I got my MRI, 45 minutes. I went into that machine with that whole sound you hear MRI. What an annoying sound, right? And I did that to get my brain checked out. Am I good? What's going on over here? All of those things you got to do. But if you sit there afraid of one day bad things happening to you because it's happening to everybody else, you're going to be sitting around 10, 20, 30, 40 years. The best earning years of your life will be gone 
just because of a couple of your friends went through some mess and I got you to stop recreating yourself and it stayed the same. Next point, fourth one, compressing time frames. Look, people ask me, Pat, uh, what can I do because I really want to have this lifestyle and I really want to get to this point. I really want to get my dreams to become a reality. I really want to become wealthy. I really want, whatever it is, I really want to whatever, right? But I don't want it to be so uh, slow. I tell them, compress time frames. I learned this a long time ago. I was at a training, a gentleman got up, his name was Rich, he talked about compressing time frames, and I said, what do you mean? He says, can you fit three days in one day? What does that mean, three days in one day? If the average person does 15 appointments in three days, if you do 15 appointments in one day, you're doing the average person's three days in one day. And if you do that at a three-year pace, five-year pace, then what an average person will do in 30 years, you do in three years or five years. I got that idea, I said, oh my gosh, this is great. Because you know, a lot of people think they work hard because they're at the office 80 hours a week. But doing what? Checking newsfeed, that's not hard work. Checking Instagram, that's not hard work. I'm talking work, on the phones, negotiating. Just this morning, I went from one meeting to the next meeting, to the next meeting, to the next meeting, to my 65 minutes of cardio today, to reading the notes, seeing what's going on in the news, seeing what just took place with Amazon, Alibaba, seeing what's going on with Sears, seeing what's going on with the market being 4% up for the year on the S&P, and then having a hardcore negotiation with a carrier that we have five of our people in their town and just trying to go back and forth, try to take this partnership from just a regular business partnership to a real partnership where we can do big things together. That's all today. And I'm trying to get things going, right? If you can figure out a way to condense time frames, you work three days in one day. Instead of having to work 20 years to get what other people are getting, you'll be able to do it in three to five years. But that means you gotta condense time frames. That means you gotta work on Saturdays. That means you gotta drop TV. That means you gotta drop partying. That means you gotta drop some of that stuff to double your income faster. And that idea is condensing time frames. And last but not least, you watch this and you say, Pat, I'm tired. You want me to work three days in one day? Give me a flipping break. What are you talking about? I don't wanna do this. What if you know in the next three years if you worked efficiently and you compressed time frames, you worked three days in one day, what if right now you're making $55,000 of your income? What if three years from now you get equity in a company because you're working so hard, you become a leader, and all of a sudden the buyout, you get a $1.1 million check. You get a $600,000 check. What if three years from now you're all of a sudden making $250,000 of your income? What's $250,000 mean to you, by the way? What if all of a sudden you're making seven figures? What if some of you that are running big businesses, your business goes from doing 10 million a year to 80 million a year? What if you do that? What if that does take place? What does that mean to your luck? At the end of the day, why an entrepreneur, why an athlete goes at the level they go? Some of these athletes are on the road eight months out of the year, traveling, training, working out, flying, hotels, not their own house, not their own bed. You know when you sleep in somebody else's bed in a hotel, you don't sleep the same way you do in your because your mechanism is protective. So you're always like, what is that sound? It's not the same as sleeping in your own bed. Why do people do this? Why do people put their bodies through this? What are they trying to do? At the end of the day, I have three kids. I have a six, a five, and a two-year-old. At the end of the day, I have family. At the end of the day, I have certain things I want to fight for. At the end of the day, I have memories that I relive in my mind with my mom, my dad, my sister. Iran, school, Germany, refugee camp, all these memories. At the end of the day, I remember being the kid afraid, concerned, filled with dreams. What if one day? What if one day? What if one day? What if one day? I don't know if I could do it, but what if one day? What if one day? What if one day? At the end of the day, you're not doing this stuff to say, look at the money I made. I'm trying to show off to you. Look at my house, because if that's the case, you die, you're replaced. The year from now, everybody forgets about you. 
Go back and look at who was a top boxer 10 years ago. No one remembers them. Go back and look about who the hero It's just, it's not about that. It's about you're going to look back and say, one, my kids are going to realize that their daddy, their mommy, had one thing they became the best at. My mommy and my daddy taught me about character because they took what they do very seriously. They became prolific at what they did in their business, like something like this. Your kid goes to private school. You're there celebrating. Your kid goes, becomes an attorney, a doctor. They become their own business owners. They watch how daddy works. They watch how mommy works. They see how diligent they are. They show the level of respect they have for other people on how they do business because they watched you do it. They realize, man, my dad worked on himself. My mom worked on herself. She wasn't just somebody that was going out there doing all this other stuff. And they realize, that's my mom. They're telling their peers, your kids' peers want to hang out with you. When the day comes when your kid is 35 years old, married with kids, and as a grandpa, all you want to do is grandkids to be around you. I want my kids to want to bring their grandkids to me. And they're going to one day sit there and say, hey, this Christmas, whose house do you want to go to? I want to go to Papa Patrick's house. I want to melt. They're climbing all over me. We did a video the other day, me looking like I'm 80 years old. Or do you know what I'm going to look like at 80? And they're climbing all over me. And we're playing. Hey, Grandpa, tell me some stories. I'm pulling pranks on them. I'm joking with them. I'm kind of seeing how they are. I'm just having a blast. And the family stays together. All this stuff you're doing, you're not doing it to say, I'm better than you and all this other stuff. You're doing it because with your time that you have, your 60, 70, 80, 100, 120, whatever your years is, you're going to be able to make the maximum impact you can. So the blood, your people, your family, look at you and say, my dad, my mom is a man, a woman of character. I want to one day live a life like them. And that way, you're making the future better than it was the past because of the example you set for the people in the future who are your kids, your grandkids. That's why we do what we do here. Aside from that, everything else is boring. You're going to die, your Ferrari, your Lamborghini, all this stuff stays. But the legacy you left behind, that stays behind. And that's the real value of why you may want to consider yourself fighting to get into the one person and constantly recreating yourself because the future looks brighter. Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care everybody, bye-bye.